Let's turn to the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 7 through 15 and verse 20. The word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11, 7 through 15 and verse 20. Please follow in the reading of the word of God. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my needs and everything. I kept myself from being a burden to you, and I will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. But what I am doing, I will continue to do, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the manner about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Verse 20. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, or anyone hits you in the face. Father, help us today to hear these words in a a strange time in our country, in a strange time in the kingdom of Christ. And Father, a strange time for his bride, your church. Father, I pray that as the Apostle Paul sets himself against the false, that Father, we would pay attention and know that they are growing in number, they are growing in attitude, and they are growing in their actions. And yet you have given us your word so that we may stand in tragic times. To you, my King and my Lord, in Christ's name, amen. This section is basically a contrast between true and false servants of God. How can I tell a true servant? How can I tell a a false? A true is humble, a true is immersed in truth, and a true has love unwavering. A false is prideful, a false is deceptive, and they are abusive to the people. I mean, that is the essence of it. And you can take this very small formula and package it anywhere you want and plug it into the people that you deal with, whether they are preachers or teachers or just saints, and see where they stand and how they line up. It's true versus false. All right. And I told you that when we moved into chapter 10, 11 and 12, what we're going to be dealing with is spiritual war. And one of the things is, is that we today have a skewed view of what spiritual war is. We've seen just enough Hollywood to think that there are little demons running around trying to hurt us. Okay, read your Bible. A fallen angel cannot touch a saint of God unless God gives it permission. You got that? So if you are being afflicted by a demon, it is God's purpose. All right? Now, some of you may think, well, I'm really being afflicted. But you know what? No, you're not. Read Job. You think you're being afflicted? Read Peter. All right? Satan has asked to sift you. He ain't going to hurt you. He ain't going to afflict you. He's going to shake you and see what falls out. 
And yet, even in that, he denied Christ three times, and Christ restored him. All right? So when you start thinking about spiritual war, you, you really, really, really need to know what the Bible teaches on spiritual war. We looked at it in 10. It's speculations and lofty things raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. Let me tell you something about spiritual warfare right now. Through the existence of mankind, it's still the same war. It has not changed. I know we want to think that in this day and in this age, nope, it hasn't changed. Why? I'm going to say this as lovingly as I can get it. We're gullible. On a good day, we're gullible. And because we're gullible, we are easily seduced. Listen, what does it take to take your eyes off of Christ? I, I mean, I rest my case. You know, I sat and watched, you know, now I wasn't looking for my luggage. But I sat and watched the response of the people and I know what I was seeing. Listen, the marks of fallenness is that we are gullible. If you eat of this, you will know as God knows. Right? You will know as God. Has God said? All right? I can use the great mind of P.T. Barnum. One born every minute. Why? That is our total depravity. The word depravity found useless for its intended purpose. It is useless. Everyone who is born is highly seducible. Because they have an inherentness of being gullible. He said it. It must be true. We are highly gullible. We are high, because we're highly gullible, we are highly temptable. Which makes us extraordinarily easy to deceive. Let me tell you something. I have been around long enough and I have studied enough scripture to know that it is not difficult to deceive people. It's one of the simplest things you'll ever do. Why? The reason that it's so simple is that people are cut off from God. You know what that means? They're cut off from truth. And when the truth hits your determined lie, what is your response? See how simple that is? I have always lived this way. I've always believed this way. But if it's wrong, what good is it? Because let me tell you something. There's either truth... Or there's a lie. And God is truth. Those who do not know God, guess what? Do not know truth. Not only do they not know truth, they can't know truth. They cannot understand the things of God. Natural man cannot grasp spiritual things. 
And all of those people are under the control of the prince of the air. Listen, did you hear what I said? Every single one of them. I don't care how morally neutral they think they are. Or I haven't really done anything bad. Really? As soon as that thought crosses your mind, you've bought the lie. Those people who do not know God, who do not know truth, are under Satan's plans. They are under Satan's system. They are under Satan's programs. They will bring their depraved gullibility into seduction. Now listen, that's spiritual warfare. You ain't binding up demons or casting out ogres or any of this other stuff. It's an ideological turmoil. The seduction is the story of humanity. Go down the line. I don't care what the civilization is. I don't care who the person is. I don't care who the council was. I don't care what the government was. What was the format? Seducing. All of humanity is deceived. All of humanity is deceivable. All of the suckers that are born into the world are all fallen. And you know what? They're preyed upon. They're targets. Why? They're easy. Every scheme you can imagine and schemes of any given system because it's easy to manipulate because how depraved are men and women. And not only that, they assist in it. People get into sin. What is their response? Let me get you in it. Oh, by the way, they're everywhere. They are at every level of human society. They are at every level of human sociology. They are at every level of human morality. They are at every single level of human education. They are at every level of human politics. They are at every level of human religion. There is deception everywhere. And the greatest conflict on the face of the earth has always, 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 always been the same. God is the source of truth. He cannot lie. He has revealed his truth through the word of God. And the other side, the father of lies. The father of lies. And let me tell you something about the father of lies. He is extraordinarily successful. Extraordinarily successful. And the reason is, we're gullible. We're gullible. Listen, that is the great war that exists. You know, I've, uh, I remember in the 70s, um, we had race problems. Nothing like what you hear today. I mean, there were race problems. I remember a place called Middletown, Ohio. The Hanafi Muslim kicked the cops out of town. 
to guard the black people and were walking along the streets with machine guns. I remember cops getting shot on a regular basis for being racist. I remember working with a guy, uh, we were hauling some steel down in Georgia, and his wife was wanting to get a job at a, a hotel in Georgia, and they wouldn't hire her because she was white. No one cleans a hotel that's white. I remember what it looked like. I know what they're saying it is right now, and it ain't. Why? It's a lie. See how it, 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 it immerses into our society. It's in every... There's not a part of your society that this battle ain't going on. And you know what is amazing to me? I, I think about... I remember talking to my great-grandfather, John Henry. And uh, I was with him at his 100th birthday. And that's, that's like a century. And uh, I was asking him some things. Um, his, what was his heartache? And he told me. And, and he said, uh, but I have been truly blessed. He says, you need to understand, in my lifetime, I got a ticket for rearing a horse in Miamisburg. And he smiled at me. And he says, that's like doing a wheelie. I got a ticket for rearing a horse. And he said, and I've seen man walk on the moon. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. How educated are we? Think about it. How educated is our society? And you know what? It still shows an amazing degree of gullibility. I don't care who it is. Listen, I've got to share with you something because I, I think we miss this. Is that when people do not believe in truth. All right. They don't believe in nothing. Okay. They believe in everything. Except truth. You know, I don't want to believe your Bible. What are you going to be? It's sort of like uh, when a person tells me they're Gnostic. I don't think there's enough information to know. Really? Really? Do you realize how pompous that is? Or how blind you are? Alright? Because I can tell you on the scriptural writings, biblical writings, holy writings, across the countries, across the globe, there's only one book that is ever attacked. No one attacks the Koran. No one attacks the writings of Confucius or Buddha. Nobody, never have. There's no, no adding to or taking away from. There's only one book that people go after. Why is that? Because it's truth and it shines a light on the lie. So when people don't believe in truth, then know that they will believe in everything. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I do not know how to measure gullibility. I don't know what the graft is on that or the scale is on that. But I can tell you that a sign of depravity is gullibility. They will buy anything. Listen, that, is, that simple truth right there is what sets a person up to be seduced into the kingdom of darkness. 
Why? Because I'll believe anything. Listen, Satan doesn't care what you believe as long as you don't believe truth. He doesn't care. He's into equal rights. Believe anything you want. As long as it ain't truth. And if you want to believe truth, just take pieces of it and add your own stuff to it. It should be wonderful for you. That is spiritual warfare, people. That is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in the Corinthians. How many people would actually get up and say, Today, I would like to be ruled by the kingdom of darkness. And yet, do you, do you realize, I was talking with some pastors Thursday. And they gave us a list of all the churches that, that we know of in Castle Rock. Amazing. And you know what we concluded on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. What's Castle Rock? 60,000? 65 maybe? Okay. On Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. We calculated there should be somewhere between 250 and 300 Christmas Eve services in Castle Rock. I mean, there's a handful are having four services. They're starting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and running until 9. Let me ask you a question. What good is that going to do? Listen, when the war is truth versus the lie, there's only one way. All right. Now, uh, you guys got to stick with me on this. What is the sword of truth? The Bible. The Bible. And you know what is really cool? The sword of truth cuts right through the lie. Okay, let me explain it to you as simple as I can get it. Nothing else does. I don't care what your music is. I don't care what your play is. I don't care what your cantata is. I don't care what your little kids choir is. I don't care about any of that stuff. There's only one thing that cuts through the lie. The word of truth. The gospel. To the save the rescued people from the satanic deception. Because you are in an ideological war. I have to take truth and just punch a hole right through the lie. And it's funny because they'll use words that, well, that's not rational. Really? You're not reasoning this. Really? Have you ever heard what they're defending? I mean, one of the biggest problems in this country right now is that for mo- every person is actually morally okay. It's just circumstances make them bad. Okay? Really? You want to look at that and tell me that you're going to hunt that dog? That's impossible. The Bible says, no, you were conceived in sin. Okay? You don't... Wake up or are born morally neutral and then commit a sin and now become a sinner. No, you're a sinner waiting for your opportunity 
Have you ever seen a newborn babe? If that ain't sin incarnate, what is it? They bellyache because you didn't feed them, didn't feed them fast enough, and you didn't clean up the mess after you got done feeding them. I'm going to take a nap and wake up and we're going to repeat it. It's a war about truth. It's a war against lies. And you know what? Gullible is a severe implication. Look around our world today. Think about it. Just look at the news last week. How many gullible people bought into any of that? Whether it be the, the four new prisoners that are let go of Guantanamo, whether it was the race war that is alive and well, whether it was, uh, look at the deal we got with Cuba. Alright? And everybody's going, whoa, this is awesome! And I'm sitting there going, no, this is proof of what I think and what the Bible teaches. The most pagan societies ever their form of worship they invent. I don't care what it is. And the patterns of their social life are so far from truth that they can seduce anyone into the lies of Satan. You know what? We should understand that for our world. Listen... Now, I share that because it's sort of like my opening salvo, because I want you to understand what you're up against. Because the tragedy, the true tragedy, is not that humanity is gullible, seducible, temptable. Okay? Living in lies and promoting their lies and trying to get everybody else to buy their lies. Okay? And then sometimes I'll take my life and I'll make it a religious thing. And then I'll get even more people. Look at what we're doing. Right? But the true tragedy is when the church is gullible. Spiritual men have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians told us that. We also have the mind of God. See, that is what the scripture says. As we grow in our understanding of the word of God, it, we reduce our gullibility. But listen, let me share with you something. I love you guys. You can't do it on what I do with my Bible. Everybody in this room has a Bible. Why don't you use it? Because there is not an aspect of your life that is not wrapped up in this. They are hammering us every day, 24 hours a day with lies. And if you don't know what truth is, what are you going to do? You will be seduced. You know what? The more you learn from your Bible, the more... Now, I'm going to make sure you got that. Not the more I learn from my Bible. The more you learn from your Bible, okay, the more increase of discernment that you will have. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There ain't a person in here that doesn't need more. Listen, I, I want to try to make this as clear as I can because it doesn't mean that we can't be tempted into sin. You know, I can't hold my Bible up to my chest and therefore sin does not enter. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. Okay? But it will... 
If I enter into sin or if I've tempted to sin, it will not be because I was deceived. There are people who enter into sin because they didn't know no better. All right? It's, it's like uh, early in my walk, I didn't think, what was the problem about proud to be an American? Well, ask Lucifer what pride gets you. Oh, wait, I don't want it. Yeah. Because in essence, if I eat of this fruit, you will know as God knows. What's behind that? What was the temptation there? Pride. I can be like God. We may be seduced by human impulses or desires into sin, but we will not be deceived not understanding truth. I have had many, many dealings as a pastor with people who had an issue, and the issue was trying to be blamed on someone else. Sound familiar? We've done that once or twice, haven't we? And they were trying to blame someone else, and as I pointed out, it was their issue. It was, see how, even I say that. It was your issue. No, daggone it, it was your sin. And in some cases, they blow it up anyway. In some cases, they repent. Uh, I just run into a situation of a man who literally fell off the pier, was a Sunday school teacher involved in church, and then just became a blithering idiot. I say that in the most loving way. And he had a tragedy in his family, and God crushed him, and he repented and is back as a humble servant. But it took him almost 20 years, which is better than 40 that the Israels did, Israelis did, right? One of my great tragedies of my heart and my my life is it took me so long to get saved. Why couldn't I have been saved at eight like everybody else? Okay, I'd be so much farther down the road. You and I, brothers and sisters, we have the word of God. We can know truth because the author of the word of God indwells our souls. We can know why God gave us his word. He gave it to protect us from being Deceived. From being led astray. It will protect us from wolves in sheep's clothing. Who will come. Listen, they will come. And they will tell us lies. They will do everything they can to seduce us. Let me tell you. Jesus entered a Jewish culture in his ministry which almost all of it was seduced. The entire culture. Their gullibility had led them into believing in a works righteousness. And you know what? All it did was damn them. They were led by philosophers and theologians. Philosophers are the Sadducees. The theologians were the Pharisees. They all had their little followings. That was man's made religion. 
Religion in and of itself is no protection if it's wrong. I don't care how faithful you are to it. It's just another seduction if it's wrong. See, we who are called by His name, we know truth. We know the true God. We know the God of truth. We know the living God. We know He who created existence. We know He who is revealed in Scripture. The God who is was incarnate in the person of Christ Jesus. The triune God. The gospel of Christ Jesus. We know that. I've had people saying, I'm going to go learn what the gospel is. You had better know it. You'd better know it. We know that salvation is by grace through faith and faith alone. And the scripture is literal. Yet, the church shows gullibility. If I could, I won't repeat some of the things that I have heard as a pastor from the congregation that you just sort of would. Okay. As you guys all know, uh, I spend most of my time uh, in what I call in my relationship time. The bulk of it is with a guy named Paul. He's born in Tarsus. And when I think about it, and I think about Paul's writings, um, he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. And you know what? There's an amazing thread that runs through all 13 letters. He either wrote them to churches or church leaders. Okay? And I find that fascinating. I, I, I think about him writing to churches. Granted, they're all dealing with different situations. Okay? But he covers it all. And, and I thought, and, and you guys know me, that I, I'm a very simple man. Okay, and sometimes people make fun of me for it, but I can always, never mind. I want to show you how simple the writings of the Apostle Paul are. Okay, from a simple man. The letter of Acts, chapter 20. This is going to be our study today. I know I read 2 Corinthians, but I want you to know the war you're in. I want to show you how simple this is. Verse 27, he is very focused and he actually summarizes all 13 letters of the New Testament. Okay, he's very pinpoint. Look at verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Some of your texts may say counsel. I declared to you the whole counsel of God. Okay, now, where is he? What's, what's going on here? This is a historical book. Well, he's in Meltius, okay, and he's speaking to the elders from Ephesus. Okay, and he's basically telling them goodbye. I probably won't see you again on this side of heaven. All right? I gave you the whole plan, elders of Ephesus. You're not lacking anything in the plan of God. I have told you everything you need to know about the plan of God. You have been given the truths of the kingdom. You have been given truth for everything you need. 
You know the promises of God. You know the covenants of God. You know the entire saving message. And all, all you need, you have knowledge of. You're not missing anything. There are no gaps. You are the church and you have been given the foundation. Jesus Christ, chief cornerstone, and I have laid the rest of the foundation. I have laid this foundation. It is solid. I have not withheld anything from you. You have it all. I've been there for three years, day and night, house to house. I was teaching daily. You have it all. Okay, understand that. Think about it, Castle Rock Baptist Church. Some of you haven't been with us that long, but some of you have. Think about what we've been through. Think about what we have studied. We've done eschatology, soteriology, okay, ecclesiology, Christology. We've got it all. We've got Matthew. We've got Hebrews. We've got 2 Timothy. We've got 1 Timothy. We've got 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We've got Revelations. We've got Daniels. We've got Galatians. We've got Genesis. What's missing in that group? Okay, now, listen, some of you weren't here. Not my problem, man. I remember I used to preach the books contextually like we do, thematically. And I would do some on Sunday morning, then I'd do some more on Sunday night. Well, Sunday night, you don't really get a very big crowd. So I was convicted. Teach something else on Sunday night. Keep that there because... You may have 50% of the congregation, 50% of the won't know what the book said. So I changed that. I did it my first couple of years as a pastor. You're missing nothing. Paul says, I have laid a foundation. It is solid. Okay. But look at verse 28. Be on guard. Do you notice that that comes immediately after you haven't got any holes in your theology? You know everything of God's plan that is needed to be known. Okay. And immediately he says what? Be on guard. You know what he's telling the Ephesians? In spite of all I have done. You are still able to be seduced. All right. Now, get this. Who's he talking to? Is this the baptism class of Ephesus? The elders. You have the full counsel, but you're fighting against a very clever and crafty adversary. Not only that, he can take the full counsel and twist it and use it against you. Why? It's a battle of the mind. Why? Speculations and lofty things. Why? It is subtle. I don't come in. A false teacher don't walk in and say, Hey, I'm a false teacher. You want to go with me to hell? I can show you how to get there. They are subtle. They are patient. Be on guard. Lest for this firm foundation... Okay, but look what he says. Back to 28. First of all, for yourself. 
Because if you don't protect yourself, how will you protect the flock? Because that's next. Be on guard for yourself and the flock. Elders have what is called oversight. Uh, actually, the word means, and everybody gets happy about it when I bring up this word, rule. Authority over. The job of is, is to shepherd the church of God. Okay, Have oversight. Have authority over it. Have rule over it. Have direction over it. Know where we're going. That's what a shepherd does. But I want to show you something because he says, I want you to be on guard first for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you. There's that word, overseer, bishop, ruler. All right. To shepherd a church of God, which is very, 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 very precious to God. Probably more precious than anything on this planet right now. Why? Well, look what he paid for it. He purchased it with his own blood. Now, I want to know, I want to show you something there because there's a thing that we kind of cruise through and we say, well, Jesus did that. Well, what does the text say? It is the church of Jesus. This is the church of God who God purchased with his blood. God did it. I'm thinking that it's important to him. What do you think? He paid a high price for it. Be on guard. The price that was paid is the blood of Christ, His Son. The church is His. It belongs to God. It was purchased for God by Christ. Alright? Be on guard. Guard yourself and guard this flock that I bought. Elders are given the responsibility to guard and protect, to oversee the church. Okay, give me the, I'll give you the implications of that. You have to guard if, if you have to guard something, what am I guarding the flock from? What is the Ephesian elders guarding the flock from? Verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Okay? Savage wolves will come in. You know what you're guarding them from? Wolves. They will attack. They will devastate the sheep. They will try their best to tear them apart. Satan will send the liars in and they will tear into the church. Okay. Now I want you to think about this for a second. He's writing 2 Corinthians. That's what we're looking at. Where is he when he writes that letter? You ain't getting that? Huh? He's in Ephesus. What's he dealing with? A church that's been torn apart by ravenous wolves. What's he telling the Ephesian elders? I've seen this. We've already dealt with this in Corinth. Listen, guys, they're coming. Why? Because I've seen it. One of the most scary verses that I've ever read in my life. And from among your own selves, verse 30. You know who that is, right? Ravenous wolves in leadership of the church. 
Ravenous wolves in authority in the church. Ravenous wolves who have rule in the church. You know what? This is basically what I've just given you is a summary for every single church, every single letter the Apostle Paul wrote in the 13 letters of the New Testament. It's all right there. Why? Guard yourself. How? I want you to know the full counsel of God and that you're committed to it. I don't want you trying to live by my faith. I want you to know what it says. I want you to know why it says it. I want you to stand because the lies are coming. They're everywhere. They're in the body of Christ and they can even arise from among the leadership of the church. How will you know? How will you know if that leader is a wolf in sheep's clothing? How will you know? By the word of God. Hold it up to the word of God. What does it look like? If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a goose. You, every one of you need to learn sound doctrine. You need to know it. And I'm talking about the deep thing. You know, Jesus saved me. Yes, he did. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk about how he spoke existence into being. I want you to know what the greatest miracle that has ever produced on the planet Earth is your redemption. And you be convinced of it. Cover God's plan front and back. Beginning, in, middle, and in between. Over and under. Then take that into the church. Show yourself a worker approved. Guard your own life against the subtleties and the craftiness of Satan. Against sin. And all the things that can corrupt you. And it is so easy to corrupt us. I asked you at the beginning of this message. What does it take to get your eyes off Christ? Because as soon as you take your eyes off Christ, you're open for corruption. And it's just that quick. And think about how subtle it takes. You guard the flock then. Because as soon as you begin your ministry, you can know for sure that from the outside and from the inside, the lies will begin. And every single one of you are a target. They will come in every way imaginable. People will come into the church to seduce people and to draw away disciples after selves. Think about it. The internet. The inerrant internet. Really? That is amazing to me. Well, the internet, everything there is true. Yeah, until you turn it on. I, I mean... I, I have heard, read so much on the internet that you just said, there's times it's, it's almost becomes a comic book for me. This is silly. Books. Christian publishing. You know, there's only one 
Christian publisher right now that's not owned by a secular organization? Do you know that? And and I know that the secular people are concerned about your eternal destination, right? That's their number one priority. Correct? Videos. Every way possible, they will be coming in. Verse 31, therefore, be on alert. Part of doing my job, my pastoral job, my overseeing job, Paul gives me the model. Be on alert. Remembering that night and day, a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. I did not stop warning each one with tears. A compassionate man who tearfully warns of the lies. That's the model. You know, I got people say, well, you know, I think I want to be an elder. Hey, do that. Do that right there. You give yourself day and night when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. And you do it without expecting a response. And it breaks your heart when they do or they don't. And you have to be warning them with tears. Why? You have to know the passion of Christ. When he was outside of Lazarus' tomb, he wept. Because, see, that's the alternative, the second death. The church is seducible. Paul's telling the Ephesians, I've already dealt with this in Corinth. I was with you a year longer. Dad, gone, guys. Even from among you. Now he's warning the Ephesians. Why? Because the church can be gullible. Why? She doesn't know what she believes. And if she doesn't know what she believes, she will fall for anything. Listen, and it doesn't matter. Well, our pastor teaches. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Are you going to hold me up to the scriptures and see if I am? Because I've had a lot of people say I'm wrong, but they just say I'm wrong. That's fine. You know what? I am not infallible. But you know what? When I get to the pearly gates, I can't say, I wish you guys would have followed me. All I strive for is well done, true and faithful servant. But you know what's crucial about that? What are you going after? The problem with the church today is it's full of a bunch of children that are tossed to and fro. They don't know what they believe. You know, I heard this one guy say this. I heard this one guy say this. I remember a a pastor and a professor. He said, you know, when we all get to heaven, we're all going to be 33-year-old males, just like Jesus. And I thought, bummer. (laughs) He made some cute women. I don't understand that. And then I started reading my Bible, and guess what? We are as different as the stars in heaven. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Let's go with that. We go from being tossed with every wind of doctrine to until we become young men. Strong in the faith, 
in the word. And when we become strong in the faith and in word, guess what? You'll pursue yourself as a spiritual father, which means you've been tried, tested, and proven. Verse 32, I will close. Because just as the goal that I am to seek is there, that I'm on alert, remembering night and day, period of three years, I did not cease to admonish you with tears. Okay. Um, I understand that. I know that passion. But in verse 32, here's the reality. I'm going to close with this. This is for every one of you. Okay, listen to these words. I commend you to God. I commend you to God. Paul says, I commend you to His sovereign purpose. Right? Did you read the rest? Read the rest. Because we like that. I have been commended to God. So I'll just stand here commended. Nope. And to the word of His grace. God's sovereign purpose And by the word of His grace, it will build you up and give you the inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. How do I get the inheritance? Well, it's God's sovereign plan. Yeah. But it's two parts. Why am I so passionate about the book? Seems self-explanatory, doesn't it? God's sovereign plan, I would like to know. The ladies have been studying the will of God. That would be that part about God's sovereign plan. Why? I will get that from the word of His grace, which will build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So, I have God's sovereign purpose and my protection of God And it comes through the instrument of His Word. Listen, brothers and sisters. If you don't read this any more than what you just did here. Listen, I'm not even talking about devotionals. Okay, I read several devotionals every day. But if you don't read this, I guarantee you you're tossed to and fro. Every day. And I guarantee you that it takes absolutely nothing for our enemy to get your eyes off of Christ. Because this will build you up. And you know what I see what plan B is? There ain't one. (laughs) You either read the Bible or you read the Bible or you can read the Bible. Alright? Or... Be seduced. Two options. That is what the spiritual warfare is that we are in. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and what he means to me. Lord, um, we are highly gullible. Um, And Lord, you know we are easily deceived. I ask for everybody who is here right now that you'll put a fire, a hunger in their souls for your word, as the deer pants. May every person here be overwhelmed with a passion to be in the book. Overwhelmed, learning and learning and learning and rightly dividing. 
Help us, Lord. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to be overwhelmed by the joy of our salvation. And Father, please, I beg you, reach to our souls. Strengthen us for the task at hand. Overwhelm us with your presence. In Christ's name, amen.